Welcome back, Who to Thunkers, to another episode of the Who to Thunk at Fright Fest for October of 2020. This is going to be a terrifying episode, so I hope you're ready. This is, is about the very real story that inspired a feature film in 1996, starring Val Kilmer and Michael Douglas. This is about the ghost in the darkness. In 1898, when the British Empire... France and Germany were all scrambling for power over the continent of Africa. The Brits were at the head of the race, but they had to work hard to stay there. Large-scale development plans were put into place to create the most expensive and daring railroad in history that would ensure Britain's presence to be felt across the entirety of Africa and even open trade with India. And believe it or not, another one of the Brits' goals was to destroy the slave trade. Arab slavers crossed the Savo River in Africa frequently to get to the slave markets at the port of Mombasa at the edge of the Indian Ocean. If this ambitious railroad were to be completed, the Brits could put a stop to slavery, at least in this part of the world. In fact, some historians suggest the frequent slave caravans that made the brutal journey to Mombasa are what created our story in the first place. You see, this story is about the railroad workers in particular, the Irishmen overseeing the project, and the two wild, man-eating lions that strategically and viciously stalked every single one of them. On the Arab slave caravans that traveled to Mombasa, slaves were likely to get sick and fatigued along this route, and the slavers wouldn't have done much as far as medical aid. Instead, they would just leave the dying slaves to rot in the harsh African bush. The Arab slavers were tossing bodies in the bush for centuries, but were even moving along, were ever moving along to make it to the slave markets, never dealing with the consequences of leaving human bodies everywhere. The theory is that the local lions would have become accustomed to being able to feast on human flesh with little effort, that there were these human bodies that were left along the slave route for hundreds of years. So you have apex predators that were getting used to an easy meal, as gruesome as that is, think of it from the lion's perspective. So when the Brits began to end the slave routes, the lion's easy meals started to vanish. These Savo lions, their diet mainly made up of human meat for all those centuries, but now, in 1898, there were several thousand Indian road workers, railroad workers showing up in the hundreds. Uh, very few African natives agreed to work on the railroad, so good old England shipped in workers from India. So instead of native Africans who lived beside these lions for generations, the vast majority of the workforce was made up of men who had never seen a lion before. It bred a disastrous scenario. On top of that, the camp was hit by malaria, and Colonel Patterson, the guy signed up to build the bridge, was now dealing with this entire nightmare. The bridge that the British Army tasked the colonel to build was smack dab in the middle of the Savo Lions hunting grounds. This sounds like the plot to a fictitious horror story, but let, re let me remind you, this all happened. It is all real. These thousands of Indian workers were spread out by about 13 miles. While Colonel Patterson stayed near the bridge at Savo, the forward crew worked past the river at a pace of about two miles a day. The camps that the workers lodged in were isolated, exposed, and vulnerable. These were railroad workers, blue-collar men just worried about getting a paycheck, yet here they were being stalked night and day by lions. Not only was it incredibly rare for man-eating lions to hunt in pairs, it had never been documented before, but they were hunting all day and night. Male Savo lions especially aren't seen together as Savo prides are about half the size of Serengeti prides. 
while Serengeti prides have two or more males with about 20 females, Savo prides typically have just one male with 10 females. These lions were so confident that they could attack even amongst large groups of workers as if without fear. These extremely rare traits are what gave these, lion, these two lions their names. You see, the locals didn't think they were lions at all. They were convinced that they were demons called the Ghost in the Darkness. What a cool name. And that they were sent to keep the white man from conquering the world or that they were dead medicine men come back from the spirit, from the spirit world to spread madness on the living. What a wicked name for demons, the Ghost in the Darkness. I love it. Now, Colonel Patterson, being a member of the British Army, was trained in the use of firearms, even if he was mainly an engineer. However, he was not much of a hunter. He hunted, he hunted some bit, but up to this point, he wasn't an, you know, a world expert. His tactics were usually just him sitting in a tree all night near where the most recent lion attack occurred. Usually, he would wake up in the next morning to find the lions attacked again, but miles away from where he was uh, camping. This is the guy responsible for all the lives of the workers. Can you imagine the stress on him? Plus, throughout the 13 miles and thousands of workers Patterson had to watch over, there were very little firepower, very little guns available with only a handful of rifles. The few men who knew how to use the rifles were pretty much useless by the time they finished running to wherever the, the most recent lion attack took place because the lions were long gone by the time the men got there. Can you imagine the panic and fear that spread throughout the workers? Most of them tried to abandon their work, but it isn't just a simple trip down the block. If they wanted to go home, they had to travel all the way back to India from Africa. Once it became apparent that the great colonel's hunting skills alone, alone were going to keep them safe, the railway wor railroad workers started working on building fences around their campsites. The fences were made up of thorn bushes known as boma fences. That's B-O-M-A. In other parts of Africa, these boma fences were commonly used to keep predators such as lions away, uh, but they seemed to have no effect on the ghost in the darkness lions. The two man-eaters slipped right past the bomas with ease. The main source of this episode is a YouTube channel called History Buffs, like I mentioned earlier. The channel picks apart films and series about history to point out what actually happened and what was made up. History buffs pointed out that the lions from Savo don't have manes. Scientists don't know exactly why, but think it has to do with thorny plant life that the bomas, like the bomas. Uh, lions without manes travel a lot easier if they don't have to worry about their long neck and back hair getting caught on every bush they pass. Bruce Patterson, no relation to Colonel Patterson, is a zoologist, and he, you know, he, he's alive today for the Chicago Field Museum. That's where he works. He has studied Savo lions for a decade in the early 2000s and claims it's all about water, he says. Savo is hotter and drier than the Serengeti, and a male with a heavy mane would squander his daily water allowance simply panting under a bush with none to spare for patrolling his territory, hunting, or finding mates. Another theory being that Savo lions don't have manes, they have much higher levels of testosterone and that's why. It keeps them from growing those manes, but also makes them extremely aggressive. Both these theories help explain why the ghosts in the darkness were so difficult for Colonel Patterson. The testosterone explains why they were so confident in the way that they hunted, and the lack of hair explains why they could sneak through the thorny boma fences. Oh, and Savo lions are significantly larger than other male lions. 
just to add that on top of everything else, the ghosts in the darkness were nine feet long. Nine feet long. That's insane. Once again, this is all real, and these walking nightmares actually hunted railroad workers for 10 months in Africa. <laughs> so simply trying to hunt them wasn't working, and now... Uh, the tried-and-true thorny boam offenses weren't even working. Now Patterson had to get clever. He set a trap for the lions using a train box car at, that he placed in the area with the most lion attacks. In the middle of the box car were large metal bars separating the two halves of the car. One half would contain three men with rifles who would stay overnight to act as both bait and hook. The other end of the car was left open so the lions could enter. And one of them did actually enter into this like terribly simple trap they they set off the trap with the the trip wire and the metal gate came crashing down behind it so the the line is now trapped in the box car with three men with rifles those three men though are you know perfectly safe with those metal bars in between them and the beast once trapped inside the lion was helpless and could be shot to death by the three men in the safe part of the car this this trap is in the movie and everything the movie depicts is accurate one of the lions was lured into the trap. It triggered the trigger, the tripwire, and was trapped with three men wielding firearms on the other end of the boxcar. As soon as the trap was triggered, the lion started freaking out. Its huge nine-foot body slamming its massive body against the metal bars and roaring as loud as it could. The roars were so loud that one of the men lost the ability to hear. <laughs> I'm not joking. This actually happened. The men were so close to this lion that even though they were safe behind metal bars, they were stricken with fear. All of their shots missed the target. One shot ricocheted and hit the lock that kept the trap door in place. The lion escaped unharmed. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I can imagine being Colonel Patterson. <laughs> this extreme bad luck have followed Colonel Patterson around for 10 months. It seemed anything he tried would blow up in his face, such as rifles misfiring right as he had one of the lions in his sights. It was as if Africa itself was mocking him. At one point, Colonel Patterson noticed lion, the, noticed lion attacks around the camp hospital, so he, he, he stayed two steps ahead of them. The colonel decided it was the best move to move the hospital and all the inhabitants across the camp, you know, and then... Meanwhile, the colonel splashed blood and bits of animal carcass and hunks of meat throughout the new, em the now empty hospital, original location, and his men laid in wait in hopes of trapping the lions once more. Guess what happened? The clever lions wound up snatching the injured from the new makeshift hospital across camp instead, leaving all the people who were waiting for them in trap empty-handed, while the colonel was left looking like an idiot all over again. That's how crazy this all happened. After 10 months of doing all these crazy tricks, everything he was doing, these lions would just outsmart him and were eating his co-workers like by the dozens. But eventually Patterson was able to shoot and kill both the lions. It had taken 10 months and according to Patterson himself, the beast claims upward, claimed upwards of 135 lives. This is enough people to fill a moderate-sized college classroom. After, college, or after, <laughs> after Colonel Patterson killed the lions... He went on to hunt in Africa. While doing so, he stumbled across a cave that he reluctantly explored. Inside he, er, inside, he claims to have found piles of human remains and old dusty skeletons. He deduced these remains were the kills of Savo man-eating lions, the victims they killed for pleasure. This is something no, this is something no other lion had ever done or have ever been documented doing before. Just like hunt, just like 
hunting humans in teams and uh, kill a whopping 135 people in under a year. The colonel took a photo of the cave entrance. This is the only evidence of the cave, though. All of these claims have been found in colonel's in the colonel's book. The, it's titled The Man-Eaters of Savo. I'm pretty sure it's open to the public domain since it's been hundreds of years since it was written, and you can read it yourself. Later, scientists were able to track down the cave using the photo Colonel Patterson took of its entrance. They failed to find the piles of human bones. This led society to believe that the man made it, that he made it up, the colonel made it up, and it maybe exaggerated the 135 victims as well. Uh, the Ugandan Railway Company only claimed the death of 28 Indian workers, though. Although it is easy to see how the colonel fudged some of the details of this story, I mean, so much of it reads like a work of fiction, but consider this. Would the British government in all its pride be happy to admit to such an embarrassment over just two lions? Think about it. Would they keep such an airtight records of how many Indian workers died when they seldom saw them as equals? Finally, Patterson sold the two lions for $5,000 to the Chicago Field Museum, where they are still on display to this day. Recently, their stuffed remains had hair samples taken. Scientists were able to determine the number of humans each beast consumed during the last three months of their lives. How that is possible is an, is an amazing testament to science um, that, that I must had add right there. But the research showed that one lion had ate 11 people and the other ate 24 people. That is a 35 total people in just three months. That is insane to me. Two lions, 35 people. Try to picture 35 people in your mind right now. They're gone. After three months, they're all gone. And yes, people die, but not by lions all the time. Jeez. And this is just for the last three months of the while they these lions were stalking these men for 10 months, okay? So over three times that amount, I can see where 135 comes from. It's to me, it's, it makes sense. Bruce Patterson says. Uh, this is Bruce Patterson, the zoologist from today, no relation to the colonel. He says that they attack people for the same reason their forebears did a century ago, our encroachment into what was once the territory of lions. Injured lions are especially dangerous. One of the original man-eaters had severe dental issues or d dental disease that would have made him a poor hunter and, and that would make him you know, attack lions. Patterson found such lions may learn to attack people rather than game, he says, because, quote, we, because we are slower, weaker, and more defenseless. We are the easy thing to eat when we're, you know, not in a, in a car or <laughs> using guns. I can't imagine being one of those Indian or African workers. You would receive a promising opportunity for work in a foreign land. Most of them probably had families back home, but left them behind for their family's own benefit financially. Along with the pay, it must have seemed like an adventure to some of them at least. Then to arrive and realize you've been invited to work manual labor while two of some of the greatest apex predators on the planet stalk you. It didn't matter if there were hundreds or hundreds of other people around. It didn't matter if large-scale operations were put into place to deter the lions from approaching, like the boma fences or the traps, the many traps that Patterson put into play. It didn't even matter what time of day. These Savo man-eating lions attacked and ate these men. Even if you look at the number uh, with the most utmost skepticism, 35. Let's say it was just 35 of your peers strategically stalked, attacked, and incapacitate, incapacitation dragged off with nothing but a blood trail and paw prints left behind. If you were lucky, your body was identifiable the next day when Patterson got around to tracking down the kill. 
absolutely horrifying. Man has conquered nature for the most part. We all live our lives free from fear of the beast in the wilderness. But on occasion, some of us wander in some, into some of the few places still left that are not part of man's domain. Those are places of true beauty, but also true terror. That was the Ghost in the Darkness episode, guys. I just, like I said, I need to give some credit to History Buffs, uh, the YouTube channel for their video, Ghost in the Darkness. History Buffs, an amazing channel, and I watch it for fun. Um, I took a lot from their video to make this podcast, so please check them out. The actual movie is another good credit that I use. I watched the Ghost in the Darkness. It was on Hulu when I made this. And the Smithsonian Magazine article, Man Eaters of Savo by Paul Raphael. Thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. I've had so much fun making these um, Who to Thunk at Fright Fest episodes, and I really appreciate you listening. But keep on coming. We're gonna, I'm gonna do Christmas theme stuff. I got real big stuff in, in plan for Christmas. I've got some, uh, you know, eventually in February we're gonna do some Valentine stuff. Keep listening. I hope you have a great Halloween, and tune in next week.